College football fans, are you in good hands? Because with insurance from Allstate, you'll have a winning game plan, like reliable coverage and protection for everything life throws at you. Because just like how great protection can save a football game, it can also save you money. So get protected with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Brought to you by Allstate, you're in good hands. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichard and Lehman, we recap OU's win over Iowa State. We also recap the other great games of Week 5 of college football and give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, October 1st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichard and Lehman. And Ted, we are here to recap OU's win over Iowa State, but it is officially All-State Red River Rivalry Week. Let's go, man. Awesome. Can't wait. It's going to be a good one this year, boy. This it, It feels as big as it's felt in a long time. Now, you may notice our, our artwork for the podcast looks a little different. It was pretty cool when Allstate reached out to us about sponsoring the podcast for this week. And shout out to Justin and his entire team at Riverwind for letting us do it. They've been such a great presenting sponsor and will continue to be the presenting sponsor after this week. But yeah, I, I kind of thought that was a spam email. I thought I was uh I thought someone was playing a trick on us, but hey, look at us. Partnership with Allstate. The uh, I guess whenever their their home office wasn't Asking us to send money to Nigeria, uh, we were good, right? It wasn't a spam email. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, fired up about this whole thing, but we're recording this Sunday morning, and let's dive into it, man. A a fun atmosphere there at Gaylord, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. It was, the lights were going, the music was going, tone was set by hype man Bob Stoops before the game. And I did not expect that. Uh, you think not maybe like the most out of character thing ever. Well, head coach Bob Stoops out of character, post head coach Bob Stoops, way more in character. That was fun. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's a great way of describing it. All right, let's Sooners win 50 to 20. Let's let's start with the defense. Ted, because few issues early in the football game. Let's be real. A lot of the fan base was freaking out, man. But what what did you see when you went back and watched the tape? Here's the thing. I We are so guarded as a fan base right now when it comes to defense, right? We win the kickoff. We defer. 
uh, we win the coin toss, rather. Win the coin toss, we defer. Let's put the defense out there, baby. We're a defensive team. Shut them down on uh, incomplete on first down. We're ready to roll on the boot. Second down, crush the run. Third down, force them out of the pocket. Interception, pick six. The place goes insane. It's like it's confirmed. What we thought is true. Our defense is badass. Let's go. And then, so the place is just going crazy. And then, I we have a couple of plays, and everyone loses their mind. But I'll tell you, 68 plays, 68 snaps of defense. They had three plays was the bulk of what they did. And on two of them, the two touchdown plays, 51 and 67-yard touchdowns you know it, it there's not a breakdown in coverage there's there's not some like egregious missed tackle it's it's kind of just plays that you really can't explain two safeties just really poor angles um the first one is is key lawrence coming over the top I don't know what he's thinking. He may have a um, an explanation for it. Maybe he didn't see the receiver in his vision. He thought it was simply an overthrown football. Um, I don't know, but Key Lawrence does not turn contact down. So, I it, obviously, it's not what you want. I'm willing to – I don't know. I'm Maybe I'm making excuses or whatever, but I just don't – that's not a play that – I look at it and say, oh, my gosh, we've got problems. There's something going on here. It was a bad play by Key Lawrence. Nine times out of ten, he separates that guy from the ball, maybe even makes an interception, interception at least at least at a minimum, a tackle. Part, part of the problem is he was so – he was the timing was so good that maybe he pulled off because he thought he was going to be early. I don't know. But he was there, could have made the play. The other long one – touchdown was Bowman kind of the same thing I think his vision maybe came off for a second he thought it, it did yeah. it did because I talked to him post game in yeah. the locker room and he said the the issue on that play was my eyes like he was like I barely peaked and that's what that's what threw it off yeah and you know it it threw it off he Angle was a little bad. He knocked off I think maybe it was Pearson knocked off one of the other guys and it's off to the races Bowman doesn't make that play. I let, that's not something he does a lot. He's a guy you trust. Um, now I'm not going to just excuse those away and say that you know that stuff happens. I it can't happen. We we're playing against Iowa State this week, and we we were so much better that those plays ended up not mattering. But this week against Texas. The, and, and that's the nature of the game. One play like that where your your eyes are just – you take a two steps of a wrong angle, and that's ball game. The whole thing's over, right? So I'm not, I'm not trying to say that those things don't matter. I guess what I'm saying is those are two plays where I, I trust that those guys aren't going to do it again. 
you know, I, there's not a flaw in our system. There's not a flaw in our scheme. There's not a, a flaw in the players that we have out there. It was just two things that, that happened. Now, outside of that, there was a handful of runs. One of them was little zone read and Desan McCullough comes up the field instead of just flat down the line. And they split us right down the middle for an explosive run. And then there was some, there was some pin pull stuff where the outside receiver comes and the way it works is as the safety comes down to, to be a run support player, the outside receiver will come in and crack. And whenever he comes in to crack it, you know, it kind of looks like he's running the slant. The corner is going to follow him. And whenever he sees it's a crack, he has to be now called crack replace. He has to replace the safety in the run fit. We were not good at corner with that. And, and that's something that we're going to have to dial in. I don't know, as, as I start watching some Texas offense a little bit more, we'll see. I imagine it's the way it goes. Whenever you show some type of flaw, teams are going to probe around to see if you've coached that up and fixed it. Um, doesn't mean that we're going to see a whole plethora of uh, crack blocking from Texas, but I imagine they're going to have it in. and really the next level thinking is on the first series or two, whenever there's something you've had a problem with instead of like, they're going to say, Oh, here it comes. Yep. They're going to try it. And they'll show that they're going to try and crack you. And it's going to be like a crack go where it looks like he's going to block and he's going to release for a go because there's an exchange there. The corner lets go of him when he comes into crack and goes to play the run. So there's like between the corner and the safety, like you now have to buy them. So that's something that we need to watch moving forward. Um, outside of those plays, it's great defense. I mean, tackling, running, a bunch of guys, um, you know, that, that came in, guys that I thought played well. PJ played well again. Uh, just continue to love watching this dude play. It's Every game, there's something that he does that you're just like, oh my gosh, this is this is getting so good. <laughs> Every game, you send me a clip from you watching the tape, and you and I just go, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, his ability to bend. I mean, Oboe had a little bit of that, but he didn't have the length, mm -mm. right? To have that length and that ability to bend. There's usually a lot of stiffness that comes with that type of length, and he don't have that. It's, it's so exciting. It's he has an incredible uh, mix of athletic traits, and he's got the motor. He's he's just coming along really nicely. He also like tried to fight their entire offensive line at one point, which I know. got me going. I was like, yes, PJ. Yes. I was like, I don't know what happened over there, but that's usually a pretty, you know, between the whistles, a, a pretty docile guy. It feels like something happened that he was not happy about, which I like the edge. Um, I thought, uh, I thought Jonah Laulu played really well. Um, he's starting to really develop a pass rush, man. He's, he's got the good length. He's super strong. He's got a real good push. And he's he's developed this late spin because he pushes so hard 
when guys start to anchor and he feels like one side is starting to turn a little bit, he spins out and those guys lunge forward. It's it's getting really effective. Um, I like what I saw from him. Outside of the poor play, I thought Billy Bowman was nails. He was really good. Obviously, the interception was a great play. Super athletic, comes across, makes the catch, gets like a toe tap to stay in bounds, and he's so athletic that he stopped his full momentum and took it all the way back across. I thought that was good. Stutzman had another really good game. Um, you know, he – you can see on the play where he hurt his shoulder. I guess he didn't hurt his shoulder. He's got he's got a neck stinger going on. And it's crazy because he make he helps make the tackle. And his I think it's his right arm, it's like completely dead. So like whenever he rolls over, it looks like, you know, like whenever you wake up and you've been sleeping on your arm wrong or something, it just like flops over. There's like nothing there. And it's pretty pretty funny. I hate that for him though, because it's it's really tough to deal with. Um, but I thought he played well. He did tell me, you know what he did tell me? He's going with the cowboy caller uh for the Texas game. Oh, so cool. um Gentry Williams. Thought Gentry Williams played really well. Um he continues to tackle great whenever they try and attack him and block him on the edge and run some of that bubble stuff at him. Uh, he's great. Um, he's he's starting to look like he's going to be a star. Yeah, the physicality, the traits. He's always in proper phase and coverage. He finds the football. Not only is he a physical tackler, like those wide receivers for Iowa State could not block his ass. Nope. Yeah, hands straight to their chest. Get off me, and then go and fill the run. It. He's playing with a ton of confidence, man. I I love what we're seeing from him. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I thought McCullough played well, um, except for that one play. That There was a couple of things in there with him, but he flashed several times. I thought Kendall Dolby played well. Um, I thought Kanick backtracked a little bit from Cincinnati week. Um 
you know, some of his footwork on, on that pin pull stuff, because it's, it, they're not going to make it easy on you. It's not just with the static backfield and here comes the, the pin pull outside stuff. It's shift. And then here comes the cross motion. Then there's like, you know, they fake to the ghost motion and then here comes the pin pull. So you've got all of that going on and his footwork. He's just, I think it's eyes, you know, just trusting where you're supposed to be reading your keys. And he's not, he doesn't see the blocking scheme yet. He's still, you know, as a backer, there's, there's different times. Like you always just kind of feel where the blocking scheme is. You're not necessarily looking at it while your eyes are on your keys in the backfield. So you know what plays happening. He's, I don't think he's able to bring all of that together yet and process all the information. I, I thought his inexperience showed in this game. And here's why Iowa state, the pin pull stuff, all the gap stuff that they ran. Ted, they really, they hadn't run any of that leading all up to this game. Zone. Yeah. They, they had been a zone team. And I talked to Stutzman about, it. he's like, dude, they hadn't done any of that stuff. So, but Stutzman's experienced enough. He's played enough football now. It's like, okay, you sort through all of it. And I think Canick, it was one of those, wait, what's this? What's going on here? They, they haven't shown this. And it just, he seemed like a count or two late on a lot of it because I I mean, I don't even know how, how many times did they even practice that leading up to the game, right? They hadn't shown any of it. So I thought his like he's still a really inexperienced player and he's inexperienced at the position. I thought, especially watching Stutzman kind of feel it out quicker, right? And be like, okay, this is what they're going with. He he could see the full picture where Canick looked a little indecisive and an unsure, like, hey, this is not what I prepared for, type of stuff. Yeah, it's a hard thing to explain that you visually you are focused on something and in front of what you're focused on you see you see a blocking scheme that you react to so you have to see like multiple things at once and there's like a at some point like your instincts take over and you don't even think about the blocking scheme you just naturally go with it and it's something that whenever it happens it clicks and and I think he's still I think it's coming. I'm not I'm not panicked. I think he's on track uh for a first year starter. I think he's gonna be fine because you know, he's so fast that his footwork is garbage. He like goes the wrong way and he like bows around and then still runs the play down from the back end. Now, whenever the footwork is clean he's just going to, it's going to be tackle for loss here, tackle for loss there. And so um, I'm, 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 I'm not worried about it yet, uh, but he's, he's, he needs to come along a little bit. Um, I thought it was nice to have Reggie Pearson back. You know, he, the dude's an enforcer. He's great in open field tackling. Um, Peyton Bowen had another great game. The dude just, he finds the football. It's crazy. Block punt you know, separating guys from the football, great open field tackling, uh, really nice athleticism. Like the, 
we're in such a good place in our secondary. We're deep at safety. I mean, we're rolling guys, different guys in at corner. I know Kanai Walker didn't play, and he's been playing really well. Uh, but, you know, we got some other guys that were able to come in there, Kendall Dobley, as I mentioned. So, all in all, outside of – but that's that's what happens, right? That's the nature of defense. Three plays, right? Three plays sends our entire fan base into a tailspin over are we – maybe if they <laughs> – maybe watching – USC earlier in the day had everyone's uh, head all messed up. I don't know, but nothing to panic about. We've got some clear things that we can correct before we head uh, down to Dallas. I like it. I, that's kind of how I saw it as well. It, we don't talk a lot about the defensive line, right? Just because there's not – Laulu's kind of the guy that's emerging, like you mentioned, from the interior – and the edge guys, it's just kind of everyone is, I don't want to say they're all the same, but it's just good team defense along the line of scrimmage. Really physical at the point of attack. Guys play with great strain. No one, no one's playing like at a dominant level, but that D line, I, I feel like that's that's one of the strengths of the defense. We just don't have guys that are really flashing very often except for pj right and some of the things he does every week but it's not that they're not playing well right like they're just yeah. it's it's classic like do your job type of mentality with the defensive line right now yeah and as you play like for instance i thought we played really good defense except for those handful of plays and i think stutzman led the team with six tackles you know, the the better defense, team defense you play, like a lot of times the, the production is really spread out. The, the production path that Stutzman was on was like unsustainable. It was incredible. Now he's going to, some of those, he's going to continue to have those games, but like 15 tackles a game and four tackles for loss and inter like that's, that was crazy. So this is, I think, a little bit more what you expect. And you're right. Uh, I, Downs, you know, you know what you get from him. He's really strong out there on the on the outside when they try and attack him. Um, Grimes came in in the second half and got quite a few snaps. Same thing, super strong. I mean, whenever we're deep into the rotation in the last couple plays of the game, you've got like Stripling out there. You've got Reggie Grimes out there. Like these are guys that have played a ton of football, and there's like there's no fall off. And, you know, it, it's almost a problem where you have too many guys that you can't get everyone the snaps maybe that they deserve. Moment in. Anything else? I think that's it. Nice. All right, let's talk about what we saw from OU's offense against Iowa State's defense. But first, Riverwind Casino is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hard. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of October, visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, 
simply the best. Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. Oh, no. I don't have that voice. Come on, man. You got to sing it. No. No. Give the people what they want. Come I'll on, get, man. I'll, like, I'll get like a crack. And I, no, I don't have the falsetto. Wow. <laughs> I'm disappointed. <laughs> I am disappointed. But you won't be disappointed with a schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Aleworks. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit SchoonerAle.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. OU's offense. You put 50 points on a really solid defense. Now, we're going to find stuff to complain about because that's what we do. But let's not forget, this does not happen to Iowa State defenses. 50 points, 40 on them in the first half. Over 500 yards of offense. Stopped us once. Well, we I, had the interception and one punt. Yeah, I. this does not happen to a John Haycock defense. It just doesn't, but it did on Saturday night. And let's start here. I thought Jeff Levy called a really nice game. Agree. Right. And while I am, I'm still not a huge fan of how they're doing some things in the running game. I do appreciate this. The main concepts that they had going in the running game, right? A lot of different outside zone looks, wide zone, whatever you want to call it from the offensive line. They ran several variations, right? Different motions going on in the backfield, right? Outside zone, split outside zone. Uh, they ran like some zone outside zone reads, some outside reverse zone read, right? Where the one, running backs going wide and DG's kind of the dive guy. There was a there was a good variety, and then it built into play action, which uh, I mean they would fake the outside zone and boot. They would fake the zone insert and throw it down the field, right? They even had, you know, the handback action from last year where he broke it out and threw the deep play action. Mm -hmm. So there was, I, I thought it was one of Levy's best called games where he's building plays on one another. And that makes it extremely challenging on a defense. But Ted, just general thoughts, like still not, the, the running game's just not explosive. Longest run was 18 yards. Now, Dylan Gabriel becoming more involved as a runner, I think, is is a positive thing. But they're still struggling to find space in the running game. And I think at this point, 
it's just time to accept that the passing attack is clearly the strength of this offense. Mm-hmm. And Dylan Gabriel and those wide receivers, th- that is that's what that's what this offense is gonna have to lean on. Because the running game, the movement at the line of scrimmage, it's just not it's not near where it needs to be. And there's just not a lot of space for whatever reason. And I'm, I am at the acceptance point of, hey, this is going to be a, let's call it a pass-first football team. Like, that's the strength of the offense. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that uh, it, obviously you would love to be elite at absolutely everything. But, you know, for whatever reason, some of that stuff's not coming together right now. Um, I think it's it's good. What did we run like one? I think we hit right on our average um, against Iowa State, which one fifty-seven, yeah. average three point eight a carry. Yeah, and you know we we'd love to have numbers a lot higher than that. And the real issue is, like, usually whenever you look at people in the box score and it's like, oh, they ran for two hundred and twenty-five yards. It's usually they average you know, about four, four and a half a carry. And then there's like two or three super explosive plays in there that get you to that number. We just don't have any of those explosive runs. I think our most explosive runs of the season have all been called back for holding. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's, it, it it's hard to be frustrated with putting 50 on Iowa state though. Yep, right? no I am. And, and let's start with Dylan Gabriel. 26-39, three touchdowns, an interception. Did a lot in the running game, right? A couple rushing touchdowns. I thought the first half was as good as I've seen him in an OU uniform. I thought he played, and just the, the entire game, I thought he played with an aggressive mentality in the throw game and as a runner. Like, guy played with some fire on Saturday night, and I can get on board with that and – it certainly gets the juices flowing when you truck a dude for a touchdown run early in the game. That was awesome. Now, uh, the first thing I think about, even though it was an Iowa State guys, I think, oh my god, I feel bad for that guy in in film review tomorrow. It's just going to be horrible. Yeah, and he's he's not going to be able to sleep. That's all he's going to think about on the ride home. It's just going to be it's going to be a miserable miserable twenty four forty eight hours for that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well. Luckily, they picked on 18 quite a bit, so he's got a lot to think about. <laughs> he's got a lot to think about. But I thought some of DG's timing throws on the comebacks, right? You think of that Nick Anderson. It was kind of like a post and then like a stop. I don't, I don't know exactly what they call it. But I thought some of the timing routes, some of the out routes, I thought he was as on time as he's been, right? We, we talked about him being a little late on some things. And I thought he was really crisp, and the ball had some velocity on. Him. Yeah, like he was, he was letting it rip. I do love that he gave his guys chances to make plays down the field. I, I talk about it a lot. He's at his best when he's got an aggressive mentality when it comes to pushing it down the field. Now, did Brendan Thompson have to wait on that one? <laughs> Absolutely. But that guy is fast. Yes, he is. I mean, hopefully he's okay. It looks like he got a little banged up, but hopefully he's fine because we could use that speed against the Longhorns. But 
Dylan Gabriel, he gave his guys chances to go make plays. And I just thought that him becoming more involved in the run game, teams are going to have to dedicate more time to that in their preparation. The interception he threw was really nice route recognition from the Iowa State guy. Dylan Gabriel should have just thrown it away. But all in all, I thought he was really good, man. Really good against that defense to carve him up the way that he did. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, he was great. And and I agree on a, like we think of a lot of times with, with our offense, it feels like we're either throwing it deep or we're throwing the the bubble stuff, uh the lateral stuff. But he was great on all of the comeback stuff, man. Out the speed outs. Uh, from the slot guys where they're catching it there on the sideline. He was money on all that stuff. He looked good, had plenty of zip. Uh, like you said, he was fired up out there, getting in the running game and getting up and letting guys know about it. He was he was entertaining on, on Saturday night. That was fun. Yeah, he, need, he needs to bring that same energy to the Cotton Bowl. I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. Okay, wide receiver-wise, I wanted to start with Jaden Gibson. Because that touchdown catch, and I kind of forgot that it was on fourth down. I forgot. I, went, I, I didn't even realize it until I just saw it in the rundown. <laughs> yeah. That was on fourth down. It was an important play. But that catch he had, that is as good of an individual play from a wide receiver as we've seen in a long time. Right? To know you're about to get hit. First of all, hell of a throw. From Dylan Gabriel. I mean, what a throw. But to know you're about to take that shot, he even sees it. Like, he he peeks before he catches it and saw it coming. Take the shot. Run through guys to go score a touchdown. I mean, what a, what a fantastic individual play. Kept the balance. That was... That was as good as we've seen from an OU wide receiver in a long time. Since C.D. Lamb, honestly. Every time he touches the ball lately, it's, it's been something like there has been no routine plays for Jaden Gibson. It doesn't feel like this season. They've all been big moments, big plays, crazy catches. Uh, and that one, that was awesome. And that's nice to see like through the first couple of games this year, it's like, where's the star power? We're going to have to have some guys start really showing up and showing out and the receiving core has done exactly that. They've they've really shown out. Yeah, and Gibson hit, so he has that play, but he also has a really nice catch on a comeback where he's working one-on-one against TJ Tampa, who a lot of people think is going to be a first-round pick. Right, Good, strong hands catch, competitive play. So uh, I continue to think he's getting better and better. Drake Stoops, I mean, it's the same thing every week. Consistent, physical. It seems like he drew, I don't know how many pass interferences he drew, but, and there were a couple that he runs an out route at one point and makes the safety fall down, shakes him <laughs> so bad. The safety fall down and just grabs his feet and Drake gets up. It's like, what? It, and they didn't even call it. So he, but he had the touchdown catch, Which even had a drive, PBU. Oh yeah. That was, we needed that too. Um, that drive that we capped off with his touchdown was I one of the best I like just with the the way the clock was ticking down the way we schemed the red zone 
that's the highest level I've seen our offense operate since Levy's been here. Yeah, it was really good. And it was it was a two-minute situation, but, you know, short field, and they they just kept getting penalties, and we just kept scheming up good stuff. Yep. It yep. was uh, it was good. You're right. Uh, Farouk, what, five for 81, had the nice long catch where he battled through a guy tackling him. He could have had, oh, he could have had a long touchdown. Right, they go max protect kind of zone insert play action. And Stogner in the back, neither of them blocked the the backer that adds to the rush, or else it's a touchdown for Fruit. He's gonna run right by the guy. And Dylan Gabriel still almost got it there. Yeah. But I I continue to believe just find ways to get three the ball in his hands, right? Good things happen. Also, uh Getting real aggressive in the kickoff return game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was – that was. he's like, hey, I'm bringing this sucker out. It don't matter what happens. Yeah, I'm wow. feeling it. Andrew Anthony, quiet night for him, right, was what we've come to expect from him. But you watch the tape, ran a lot of good routes. He was open, and sometimes this is life at wide receiver. Sometimes you do everything right, you get open, and the ball doesn't come your way. So uh, – it's 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 good to see him get open, but hey, it's it just happens that way sometimes. But he also continues to do a really nice job as a blocker, whether that's the RPO stuff out on the perimeter or just run game. Like he's he's doing a nice job. Gavin Freeman, it's good to see him get some touches that weren't just speed sweeps or like going lateral or anything like that. That yeah, was it was nice. That was good to see. Nick Anderson had the long touchdown, gosh, he he runs some beautiful routes, man. Yeah, for I mean, the I, length he's got, he's he's super tight and explosive in 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 his footwork. Yeah, and that was another another beautifully schemed up play from Lebby, right? Putting that deep third player in conflict, he bit the cheese, and Nick Anderson is wide open. Boy, so DG let that one run out a little bit. I yeah, maybe nervous. That ball felt like it was in the air for eternity. It was, was like maybe perfect. put that one on a line. Maybe I, he didn't give himself didn't give himself any uh, any margin for error there, and he happened to throw just the perfect ball. That was beautiful. Yeah, Nick Anderson, more targets, more touches for that man. Yeah, more targets, more touches, and then we mentioned Brendan Thompson, but. That dude can fly. We'll we'll see what his role ends up being. But when you got speed like that, you usually can find some ways to use a guy. No doubt. If anything, just to run those run the entire secondary off because they're they're fearful of how fast he is and getting behind everyone. Good. Yeah. All right. Run game thoughts. It was a Marcus Major week, Ted. Yeah. It was it was his week to be the guy. Um, and what they were doing in the zone running game, it, it really was just their inside zone, tight zone play, but they just had the offensive line take outside zone footwork to make Iowa State's defensive linemen move a little bit, right, because they're so good at two-gapping, which is smart, but it was still very horizontal – no dent in the front side. There's never a threat of the ball going front side. It's still, it's almost like 
you're showing outside zone, but it's like dive. So it's it's kind of weird to watch it. it. It seems like it's all designed to cut back. And I don't know, it's just not a lot of space, man. And, yeah. and they they hit him with it a couple times early, and then Iowa State made some adjustments. Those backside defenders really hung backside, and there really wasn't much there. When it did go frontside a couple times, yikes, did not look good. PFLs, right? They, yeah. They had the whole oh, yeah. Front I think every in. single one of them. Yeah. What do you think? I know you, you're watching it up there as a, with a defensive eye. I just – I don't know, man. Help me out. Uh, I I feel like the – I feel like the timing is odd. The you timing – like the, the track of the back. Yeah. The path to the offensive line is – like it doesn't match up. And even on some of the counter or not counter, but the uh, the gap scheme stuff that we were doing, the timing and I don't know if it was if it was maybe something that there were that Iowa State like the field like just changed and and it's not what they were intending, but the, the like a lot of the stuff is is like too slow. Some of the gap scheme stuff is too slow and. Like we're we're there's some big asks for some of the back block stuff whenever we're pulling with the alignment that we're getting and I don't know it's just like I said it it overall just the timing of it feels different feels weird I there's a lot of it cuts back like you said but in order to get something that has a successful cutback there's got to be a a really a dangerous threat on the front side to get guys running and flying over the top and and exposing the cutback instead of just automatically cutting it back. Ted, what would your reaction be if I told you Iowa State made an adjustment to where they just had their nose guard jump backside when he felt uh, outside zone? Like loop all the way into the backside, let's say backside B gap. Yeah. Would you would you say that that nose tackle felt threatened about getting reached and the ball going front side? No. And you know, I, at times defensively on stretch, you an adjustment is to tell the guys to get reached. Just go ahead and get reached and penetrate, and it can clear everything up for the backers on the backside. But I. Usually that's after, you know, there's they've hit you on the front side a lot. Like that's more of that's usually like when you're getting a hit on the front side, an adjustment. Like we're replacing a defensive lineman for a linebacker on the front side. So yeah, I I don't know. There's just it's like I said, it's weird. It's hard, kind of hard to explain. Yeah. The passing attack is is the strength of the team. Right? The strength of the offense. It's the strength of the offense. Now, after all that complaining, Marcus Major did do some nice things. I agree. Right? I thought he did a nice job, especially early, getting downhill. Mm-hmm. Decisive cuts, pouring it downhill, finishing runs physically. I continue to think he's best out in space, right? I really like some of the stuff where they're just throwing him that swing screen and letting him operate out there in space now. And you pointed it out on the broadcast. There was one, if he just goes inside of Drake Stoops block, 
I, who knows what happened. He may still be running, but he he did a good job. He he looked the most explosive out of any of the guys that we've seen. Like that was as explosive and decisive as a back has looked to me this season. Right with what he put put on tape, especially early in that game. I thought I thought he played fast, man. Yeah. No, I I did too. Um, I thought you know he's he's tough. He's physical. He runs hard. He's downhill. Like the one thing he's missing is like that. That ankle pick tackle on the perimeter. Yeah, he had he had one one run. It was like that reverse zone read thing where he's going wide and he's out in space a little bit. He made a guy miss. He like spun, and you and I were both like, "Ooh, okay." But yeah. he's just he's just not a guy that's going to make a bunch of guys miss, right? That's yeah. that's kind of where I'm at with him at this point. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I I think that there's some. I I think he I think he's a would be a great like true outside zone runner. I mean that that, that let's fits. just not talk about it, man. <laughs> he's a perfect one cut outside zone guy. He's perfect, but it's and just we not... have we have great receivers to work off of it. You know, like whenever you think of some of the, like the best play action quarterbacks in teams, it's off outside zone because the quarterback's got that ball way out there. For the defense to see, it's like, oh my God, it's run obvious. No, it's not. He's got it way out there, and then he's going to pull it back. Whole defense is flying to one side, and then you can run deep balls and crossers and boot, all kinds of stuff. Like our boot is like it's right here, and then we're booting. It's not even a real boot. You know what? Does that make it's like? Oh, it makes perfect sense. It's a shoe. It's a, we run a slipper, not a boot. (laughs) Boot, there's got to be like a big action. Yeah. No, I'm with you. We saw some saw Chuck, right? It was good to see him out there, but I I don't really know if there's much to take away. There just, there was not much space when he got the football. Yeah. Right. Now, that's, it, it does feel like it's hard to really find any of the running backs like, their identity or everyone's like creativity in their running game, because it's all again, like we've talked about kind of compact and you, everyone kind of gets the same looks. Yeah. But you got anything else? The running back spot. That's really, that's really what I saw. Yeah. Offensive line, Walter Rouse, definitely dealing with something was not moving particularly well, ended up having like an ankle spat late in the game. So I'm sure that's connected, but he didn't have what I like to call the play strength, right? He didn't have the play strength he's had. And I'm guessing that's a result of what's going on there. He was not, he was not moving as well as he did a week ago against Cincinnati. And it was, it was really noticeable in some of the, run game stuff where he had to redirect redirect a little bit. He just, he couldn't, I don't know. He just, it, it didn't look like he had much suddenness at all. So that's, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Jacob Sexton. He's, it, he looks like a guy that's missed a lot of time. Right. And he has, right. When you go back to the knee injury in the bowl game, going to take some time to knock that rust off. Also still a young player. Uh, he, that frame needs to get filled out a little more. 
his play strength, the the effort and like the identification and the athleticism are good, man. Right. I think he plays with like some suddenness, some urgency, but the play strength, like when he has to get into the fight, it's it's not quite where you need it to be right now. He's got he's got really good length. He needs to learn how to use that length more, especially in pass protection. Right. He 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 plays too plays too close to his body for a guy that's got super long arms. But he's a young old lineman, man. He's barely played. So I I am I'm excited about his future, but I I think he's better than what he what he put on tape on Saturday night. Yeah. Still hasn't played a whole lot. No. I mean, his game reps are are still super minimal. So it's it's probably going to take him a little bit of time and it's good that he's they're starting to work him in and I don't know, can you is the trust there with the knee? I he seems to be moving well. But yeah, that's one of the things like the you can squat and lunge and push all the sleds, it, like all that stuff, but to get all the way back like to move people, you got to practice moving people. Mhm. And I, I know he's he's been practicing for a long time now, but it, it's one thing to go out there and do it in practice and then go out there and do it on a game against an Iowa State guy that's two gapping the hell out of you. you know? yeah. So he, he'll he get there. He'll get there. Uh, clearly, they're excited about him, right? They, he's working in there at left tackle. A left guard, Troy Everett, thought he did some good things. This is This is a very niche comment. Of the interior guys, he's actually the best zone blocker. And you can tell, the way you can tell is, first of all, he's smart enough to cut his split down when he's on the backside of zone, right? Which, that's what smart linemen do. Like, let, let's let's reduce that space just a little bit, and then I got to go fly and run and try to try to dig out a nose guard. But he's he's quick in his lateral movements in those situations, and I like that. He comes off the ball. But there's still moments, man, where you can see like the lack of size, the lack of length are an issue. He continues to get pulled quite a bit. But the thing about Everett is I I, I never question the effort, right? And I think his confidence is growing. But I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't worried about him having to block some of those guys from Texas next week. That'd be a lie, right? Because they got they got really good size and really good length in the interior. Mm-hmm. And he, Byron Murphy, who isn't a big guy for them, has a really good hand placement and has really good play strength. So I, yeah, I, but you're gonna have to figure it out, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to see that he he's finding some some different things in there, some different nuance to to be effective, even though he's given up quite a bit size wise with where he's working. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Rame thought he did a good job of directing traffic, right, in protection in the run game. Not sure what's going on. Like, he he went back to not using his hands. A lot of flipper, a lot of form, a lot of just hitting guys with his head and shoulder. Rame, for the love of God, please use your hands, man, and grab people. And it, as a result of him just wanting to – be a battering ram like got pulled uh got pulled in pass pro because of it it just please you're doing it earlier in the season just grab and hold people please 
it's I'm sure it has a lot to do with the with the headbutt machine that he's blocking every single snap, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like but, you, you get it to a point where it's almost like a protection mode. Yeah. Uh, no, I get I get it, but uh, uh, McCade Matoyer, it, it's the same thing every game with seventy two. There's moments where you see his limitations. He's not. He's not blowing anyone off the ball. It seems like he's always going the right place. Uh, but yeah, I am. If they're going to run zone successfully, he's got to be better on the backside. Like he, you got to unhitch the wagon, man. You got to take the trailer off. You got to put it in fourth gear. You got to get going. He needs to cut his split down is what he needs to do. But if, if they're going to utilize that concept, he's got to be better on the backside. Tyler Guyton. A little up and down, right? Some really good stuff in pass protection at times. This is what I'm going to say. I think he's kind of just getting by in the run game. And I, I think there's more there. A lot of the times he's on the right guy. He's engaged. He's blocking him. But I, he's got more. He's got more than what he's showing. And I want to see it. Yeah. Now, we we got to see it against Texas, but yeah, he has, he has some plays where you're just like, okay, man, like, come on, let's go. Let me ask you something. Do you think that because at any time we can get into a, we can get into an up-tempo 10 or 12 play drive, that we get into this spot where a lot of guys are saving. It feels that way a little bit. And I've been there. I've lived that life. Yeah. Right. You got to pick your spots, but it is. You, you, I'm sure you noticed this. You saw how Iowa state's guys came off the ball, right? Mm -hmm. And that group had not been impressive up to that point. Right. They were huddling, taking their time. Like you play, it's, it, there's a rhythm to it, right? Yeah. Right. You play the play, you empty the tank, you recharge. There's not a lot, like you mentioned, there's not a lot of recharging. Right. At points. I, I just, I feel like that's, that has to affect it to some point, affect it like both physically on the back end of drives and mentally on the front end of drives, because like that, for for both offensive and defensive guys, whenever you get into like a, you know, you're over seven, eight plays in a drive, like it becomes like an oxygen suck fest out there where everyone feels like they're about to die. And it's like a power of wills, like who's going to collapse first, the offense or the defense? Yeah, I hear you. But the run game, it just, it is what it is at this point. You know, it's just, it's not explosive. It's okay. Right. But yeah, man, I, I just, I've reached the acceptance. This is a, this is a team where the passing attack is the strength. Yeah. So the rest of the way, when you play better teams, Dylan Gabriel's got to be really, really good. Wide receivers got to be really good. Now, I will say this about the O line pass protection. 
has been definitely has been the strength of the group, right? I, that felt like one of the better better days they've had in pass pro for the most part. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plays here and there, guys getting beat here and there. That's football, but overall, uh, thought it, thought they did a good job of keeping eight clean. Only uh, position we haven't talked about is tight end. Stogner got himself a catch. Look at Stog go. That was a beautiful ball, too. Yeah, but this is my assessment of Stogner. Okay, more than willing on the split zone stuff, the zone insert stuff, but especially against Texas. Keep him away from the point of attack, right? Where, like, his block is the what I call the inflection point of a play. That is that is not his strength. Dead. That's just I is that that's how I'm gonna describe it. How about that? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um I I I think I agree with that. He's you know, he's got some good size to him. He's he's kind of caught in that that between being a blocking tight end and a pass catching tight end, right? It's kind of kind of in no man's land a little bit there where he's he's good at both, but maybe not great at either. I think that's a fair assessment. All right, let's get to call your shot. We ask you guys the number one takeaway from OU's win over Iowa State. This first one comes from Jeremy Russell, who says special teams continue to be special and produce big plays in critical times. That can make all the difference in a close game. Keep an eye out on that for the Red River rivalry. What, people? You thought we weren't going to talk about the block punt and Trace Ford? Uh, uh, it was great. I mean, it was it was fun to watch. I, I know the feeling right there. You see the ball on the ground, and I it's, a, it's really a race between you and your teammates to get to it <laughs> more than it is like a race between you and Iowa State to get to it. You don't need to jump on the ground. Scoop it. Just scoop it. Don't jump on the ground. Just scoop it. You're going to end up getting the ball right there. Just scoop it. Take your time. Scoop it. He flung that thing so far. It was hilarious. I mean, in hindsight, it's hilarious. Oh, you wins the game by 30 points. So we can laugh about it now. But it, it was it was pretty fun to watch. One thing I'll say, I feel like the kicking game, punting, field goal kicking, the kickoff game, it's it has not been a strength. No. Like Schmidt does not look like he's hitting the ball well as a kickoff guy or is it or on his field goal attempts. He early in the season, his kickoffs were awesome. He was it, they were directional kicking and he was putting it like two or three yards in the end zone, like in that little coffin corner area, just routinely. And starting to he's faded from that he's lost it a little bit there and you know i that can burn you these these little mistakes in this game that all add up you know they didn't hurt us in this game so it's easy to gloss over them but you know not not blocking that punt and not turning that into a touchdown um kicking a ball out of bounds missing a field goal like those are little things, but we're talking about, you know, we, what you leave at least eight points on the board and you give a, a bunch of yardage. Like even some of our, 
our punts weren't great. You know, we had a chance to pin them, you know, deep inside the 20, and we got it to the 20. Like it's Punts it out of bounds of to the 20. You don't even make them catch it. Like, that's Field. a right. – how many times do you see a guy in college, punt returner, he gets under it, he drops it. Like, you, you have to – people around you, yeah. Yeah, you have to make – you have to make them make the routine plays. Force them into a situation where they can make the mistake. Right. And that's where I punting has not been the punting has not been great at all. Last two games it's been it it and you gotta get better there. Like you you we're getting by with it right now, but to beat the number three team in the country, everything's gonna have to be dialed in. You just can't you can't kick the ball out of bounds on a kickoff. You can't waste yardage on the punt stuff. Uh, it's you, whenever you have a, a massive explosive play on special teams, you can't cost yourself a touchdown. No, I hear you. All right. This other one comes from Jim Walgren, who says multiple tacklers on a player tackling better as a defensive unit, not letting their quarterback get comfortable in the pocket. Other than the two, right, it, huge explosive plays for Iowa State. I thought the tackling was solid. Tackling was, yeah, and, it continues to be great. From the secondary coming up to make tackles on those lateral plays in space is great. Peyton Bowen, Reggie Pearson, uh, Billy Bowman, those guys, they tackle really well. And then Rocco Becht was not comfortable. No. He did not. He did not look like he he was having a particularly good time for the last three quarters of that football game. He got blasted a couple times. Their backup quarterback, oh, my God. He played like eight snaps, and on six of them, he got just drilled. (laughs) Thank goodness Matt Campbell was using his timeouts to get J.J. Cole. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'd get you – you you coach you coach as hard as you can until the clock hits zero. I guess that's that's probably the well, mentality. I get that, but at, there has to be a point where you just try and get out of the football game healthy. We lost it. Now we've switched our priority to getting out of here healthy. Looks like their left guard on the last play of the game, Hufford. Yeah, he got rolled up bad too. Yeah, he got limped hurt. off the field. It it doesn't look good. I mean. It looks it's funny on film. I I don't it's almost looks like he's on ice or something. But um it looks like he got hurt. Their backup quarterback tries to hurdle someone in a game where they're down 30 for some unknown reason. I they're lucky they got out of there with what happened. I at some point as a coach you got to try and protect your guys. No, I'm with you. All right, let's get to our week 5 recaps. But first, John Vance Auto Group has a deal for Oklahoma Breakdown listeners. Go to any of their nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie and tell them we sent you, and they'll give you $500 off. That's $500 off just because you listen to this podcast. They've been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operated. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way. 
You can find all their information about their lifetime loyalty program, browse their entire inventory, and find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. It's hunting time in Oklahoma. And if you're looking to buy hunting property, the land doctors can help you find the ideal ranch. They build custom hunting lodges and lakes and can turn Oklahoma's raw land into your personal playground. If you'd like to sell some land or you simply want to add to your portfolio, then call Colton Cole at 405-615-7645 or visit landdoctors.com. All right, week five of college football. Let's start in Boulder. Yeah. Ted, it's pretty hard to go win a game on the road, have your quarterback throw for six touchdowns, score 48 points, and walk out of there feeling really shitty about your football team. <laughs> I know. It's it's hard to do. Uh, but somehow the USC Trojans figured out how to do it. Ted, how about that? Man, um, it's wild. I know how they feel, right? It that's that's the exact football game that we played for most of the last decade or close to it, seven eight years, right? Score a bunch of points, quarterback go out there, set all kinds of of records and and numbers and stats, and hang on to win by a score. Yeah, it now it did. It looked like USC was going to score 80 in this game with how this thing started. But we we knew Caleb Williams, who, by the way, so good. I mean, just so good. And I I thought Shador Sanders had to throw the game. That laser beam he threw on the run to the back of the end zone. Oh, my God. That play was incredible. Yeah, he had some he had some great plays, but. That USC offense, right? We knew they were going to score on that Colorado defense. There was no doubt about that. The question was, what would USC's defense do? Would they be able to put a good performance together against an offense that just got dominated by Oregon? And that's not what happened, right? What it was, Caleb Williams hit Brennan Rice on that slant, which what a route by rice but that made it 41 to 14 and here's what colorado's offense did the rest of the way five plays touchdown five plays touchdown 11 plays touchdown turnover on downs shador sanders you got to throw it it's fourth down man get rid of it give a guy a chance but next drive 10 plays touchdown now last drive you got to operate with a little more urgency colorado i don't know what that was (laughs) that was that was strange right but it was touchdown, 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 turnover on downs, touchdown to finish the game for Colorado. That is just not – that's not what good teams do 
right, when it comes to finishing games. And uh, Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch had to walk out of there going, what the hell? I mean, the, the USC defense, USC is exactly what we thought they were. Caleb Williams is amazing. He's got great weapons. They're going to score a bunch of points, and the defense is an issue. I mean, that that's what they are as a football team. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, you know, and I here's the problem for Lincoln Riley. I know like, everyone across the country is, oh, Alex Grinch is terrible. How's he still uh, the D.C. there? This is unbelievable. I Lincoln Riley has a – there's a perception problem. The perception is that Lincoln Riley just does not care about defense. They don't dedicate any resources to defense. They don't recruit defense. And their defense is terrible and is always going to be terrible. And it's not true. I they they try they're trying to recruit those guys. They're trying to get those guys in the portal. The problem is that everyone believes that to be true so if you're getting recruited by usc and you're a top defensive player everyone around you is saying they don't care about defense there you can't go play there why would you go play at a place they don't care about defense and they don't so they don't get those guys it's this it's this cycle that i don't know that lincoln riley's ever going to be able to get out of because that narrative is going to follow him everywhere he goes well, th- this is something I was thinking about as I watched how the end of this game unfolded, right? Lincoln has, he's gone after O-linemen and D-linemen via the portal, right? And they've landed some guys. Mm-hmm. They absolutely have. But you know who's going to be after those guys this offseason? Colorado. Coach Prime. Mm-hmm. And now, like, the way that this game finished, he got a lot of ammo to go on the recruiting trail, dive into the portal and go, no, no, no. Hey, USC ain't it. Come to Colorado. We're having more fun, right? We're, we're the big, like no brand is more popular right now in college football than us. Come here, start right away. I don't, don't go play in Alex Grinch's defense. You, you don't want to do that. How long is he even going to be there? Yeah. Like that, the way that this game finished that like open, it opens up the door for that conversation. It's like USC won the battle, but, you know, in the long game, did Colorado actually win, you know, by by coming on and, and doing what they did late in that football game? Yeah, I think they did. I And it was impressive, okay? And they lost. They lost the game. They, they It never felt like USC wasn't going to win the football game, right? But I'll give Deion Sanders and those players credit Right, they got destroyed, embarrassed last week against Oregon, right? And they were getting smacked around in this one, but they kept playing, man. They kept swinging. They didn't fold. They had the chance to, and they didn't. That I don't. That means something. Yeah, that tells you a lot about where a program is at, like the culture within the walls there in Boulder. That was that stood out to me. Now they lost the game. But in a weird way, doesn't it kind of feel like they won? Yeah, for, and 
for long term, I think so. I think so. Um, because I Colorado's already been better than I thought they were going to be, and no one I don't think anyone thought they were going to go win a championship this year so like when you have all eyes on your football team and you're playing a top 10 opponent and you're kicking an onside kick at the end of the game to try and get possession to go go win the thing or tie it up then you know that ends up being that ends up being pretty good yeah one last thing about this game there was a punt in this game where I would have paid, I don't know how much money I would have paid to be sitting next to you watching it. Australian style, roll out to the right, punter. The dude holds it for what seemed like five seconds, Ted. And then kicks it super late. It just kicks it right into a guy from USC's arm. At USC takes it immediately at a couple plays and goes scores a touchdown. I would have paid money to watch your reaction dude it was just an asinine play i would have paid money to watch you witness it live it's so embarrassing <laughs> it's so embarrassing like some things like i i understand the rule the rule in college is stupid everyone can release downfield once the ball is snapped so you take advantage on that by when they don't rush the putter, he dances around and runs to the side, and then he kicks some ridiculous end-over-end punt. Uh, it's just like some things we just don't lower ourselves to do, in my opinion, and that is one of them. Let's operate like a legitimate football team. I you you can you can say whatever you like. There's a bunch of things in college rule-wise that need to be changed. That is one of them. We need to have the NFL's punt rules. Agreed. All right, on to the next game. Kansas went to Austin and lost 40-14. to A strong finish from the Longhorns. And, hey, we find out at about 20 minutes before this thing kicks off that Jalen Daniels had re-aggravated his back in the morning. How? I... Live pulled after the game. He said he didn't know anything was wrong until they got to the game. What did he do? What did he do at the hotel to where he re-aggravated his back and couldn't start in the most important football game for Kansas in, I don't know, 15 years? What? I don't know. How do what? We need it. We need an answer. I wanted to watch Jalen Daniels who is an electric factory. I wanted to watch him play against that Texas defense, and I was robbed of that. What happened? I want to know. I don't know if we'll ever know, but I want to know. It doesn't sound like a back issue to me. Right? I When the head coach is saying, "I, we didn't know until we got to the game. What? That's it, so weird, man. That's weird. It's a two thirty kick. I uh, it wasn't an eleven a.m. kick. Uh, even an eleven a.m. kick. I, uh, your starting quarterback, if he if he hurts his back, the first thing he's going to do is say, "Oh my God, where's the trainer?" I uh, this game is huge. Like something's happened. What's going on here? Find someone instantly. 
And the first thing the trainer is going to do is tell the head coach, oh, my God, our starting quarterback, our star players back has locked up on him again. I don't know what we're going to do. Like, that's all instant. Instant. This is shenanigans is what it is. I don't know if he was out drinking all night. I don't know what, what happened, but it ain't his back. Right? Am I crazy? I I mean, Leipold's a pretty straightforward guy. Like, if if Jalen Daniels didn't practice all week, I feel like Lance Leipold would have just said that. I, I don't know, man. It's weird. It's really weird. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. But, that being said, really competitive first half in this game. Yeah. I mean, Kansas did, they did a nice job of getting red zone stops. I mean, it was 13 to seven at the half, right? They picked yours off right before the half. It's 13 to seven going into the locker room and it continued to be competitive. The start of the second half, Jonathan Brooks rips off that long touchdown run, but Kansas answers right back when Bean finds Trevor Wilson for the long TD, but the game seemed to completely change on one play. Kansas set fourth and one at their own 38. There's four minutes and 31 seconds to go in the third quarter. They ran triple option. Jason Bean is going to cruise to a first down conversion. Easy. Who knows? Maybe even it maybe even it goes and scores if he ends up pitching the triple option. But Highshaw clamps on the ball on the dive. Bean tries to pull it. Highshaw doesn't let it go. Texas jumps on it. No conversion. Texas makes him play and goes and scores a touchdown. And Ted, it was it was all long horse the rest of the way. You you hate to say, hey, that was the play that changed everything, but it, it kind of felt that way. I I was watching it when it happened and I still feel the same way. There's no reason they should have gone for that. I was surprised as well. You're on your own 38. You've you're within a score. You've kept things clamped down. You're not in a shootout. You're in a low-scoring football game with Texas. You've got exactly what you want. You know, you've been able to keep the lid on them for the most part. There's no reason to deflate your football team. 
you got plenty of time. It's it's a risk. There's no reason to take at that point. Yeah, I. You've got to take some risks in that game to win it, but I just don't think that's the one. I I hear you, but it was there, man. If they just execute it, it's there. It's an easy first down, but yeah, woulda, coulda, shoulda stuff, right? Now, Texas did run the hell out of the ball. Even Quinn Ewers, hey, he's starting to – if you play man coverage and you turn your back and you're chasing all those wide receivers, like he's he's starting to recognize those situations, right? I had the touchdown run early in the game. Had another one where displayed a little speed diving for the pylon, like, but their run game, that offensive line was really solid on their double teams in zone. I mean, just moving the absolute hell out of Kansas's defensive lineman and put them in their backers' laps. I mean, it, a couple of those those plays that are really good stuff. A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, that's a hell of a duo at wide receiver, man. Yeah, they are. They are. That is that's a talented duo. Who's better, A.D. Mitchell or Worthy? Mitchell. That's what I think, too. He's bigger. He's a better route runner. He's more physical. But, hey, Xavier Worthy can go, man. I mean, he is an explosive way. He is explosive play. Waiting to happen. I feel like A.D. Mitchell, though, he's dangerous no matter where you're at on the field. Huge red zone target, right? Good route running. Like, and Xavier Worthy, when things get condensed a little bit, it does feel like his effectiveness drops a little bit. D- does that make sense? Yeah. Nope. I agree. But I wish we had both of them. <laughs> hey, those guys yeah. can play. Couple things from this game. As we look, as we start to look forward to OU Texas, JT Sanders got banged up in this one. Right. So that is, it looked like, you know, from everything I could find, it looked like high ankle, maybe. He walked out of there, you know, which is a good sign for him. But you often see that with those high ankles that guys kind of walk out of there and you feel like they're going to be okay. And for whatever reason, they just, very slow to get back yeah so if he's out for that game that's i mean texas has plenty of other weapons right but that guy that guy's a stud so we'll see uh texas's kicker burt auburn dude's struggling this season yep missing kicks but it'll be so that's just a couple things and this was this was crazy texas's first five and oh start since oh nine crazy wow that's so the longhorns are playing well yours is playing pretty well yeah but that's and it, what this is the first time since 2011 that we're both going to be undefeated going in gonna be fun man crazy it's gonna be awesome the only other thing from that game is that that first touchdown that kansas scored where jason Bead got blasted fumbled in high shot it was like I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a play quite like that. The guy just gets blasted. It's a yard sale. The ball goes flying, and the running back just kind of scoops it up naturally and goes and runs for a touchdown. He kept that pitch relationship all the way down the field. Yeah. That was that was uh, 
That's great, though. I mean, Bean, he can make you pay. They were just, you know, they did a good job staying in it, just outmatched down the stretch. I still think Kansas is a really good football team. Oh, yeah. They're good. Right. I, I think that game's closer than the final score indicated, but yeah. Texas did – that Texas Texas offensive line did control things pretty well. How much better if, if Jalen Daniels was healthy? I, I, what's the difference in that game? I, I think that's a game that comes down to the last couple possessions in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Right. I, we'll never know. The mysterious last-minute scratch of the Jayhawks' starting quarterback. So weird. <laughs> so so strange. All right, last game. Notre Dame went to Duke, and they pulled it out late. 21-14. Now, when Sam Hartman chose Notre Dame, the question was, hey, is this guy going to be a difference maker at quarterback for him? Like a true difference maker. Right? And I didn't think he had the impact on the game he needed to have against Ohio State. But the play he made on 4th and 16 with, what, 40-something seconds to go on the clock, absolutely fantastic. Buys time, buys time, buys time, and then decides – Hey, let's go get in a car crash. <laughs> yeah. And he was he was ready that and I appreciate it, man, as a former old lineman, man, when the quarterback puts his body on the line like that, and he he didn't take a big shot, but he thought he was going to take a big shot. And it was just obviously a huge play in the football game. SMA scores uh, on the next play for the game winner, but the fact that Hartman was like, dude, let's lay it out on the line. Let's go. He also seems like he's getting more handsome. I don't know how that's happening. But it was the most important play of the game. And, Ted, we may look back on it, and it may be the most important play of the season for Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah, just to keep everything alive for him. And and that's a really good win. Duke is a, a really good football team. Yeah, that – the last – like sequence there, you know, has to be so frustrating for Duke to give up that fourth down. And then I, it was so weird. Notre Dame was in, it was pure panic mode before they ran that next play. Like pure panic. Sam Hartman's like running around, like what's the play? And everyone's like scrambling to get lined up receivers on the wrong side, barely get the ball off and they go to the house. And it's like he just weaves all through the trash. Yep. It was that play. It kind of felt like they were just setting up for a game-winning field goal, right? They yeah. got a really good yes. kicker. Yeah. That play was significant to many. Oof. The two-point conversion was even more significant, right? Spread was five and a half. Notre Dame converts the two-point conversion to win by seven. How do the odds makers do this, man? They're sorcerers. It's unbelievable. Yep. It's crazy. And uh, it's just, and this is why you love college football, but I mean, you, you also like feel for these guys, like the roller coaster of emotions of, Oh my God, we're, we're going to beat Notre Dame. And then I, in two plays, no, we're not. And then we may lose our quarterback. 
like all in like just this this in sequence is like has our whole season just fallen apart? It's crazy. It's crazy. That's that's how it felt. Right. And remember that game went in drive for Notre Dame. That started on their own five. Yeah. I remember uh, Riley Leonard pooch punts it, does a great job, doesn't kick it through the end zone. Way to go, Riley Leonard. <laughs> and they go 95 to go and win the football game. And Duke had all the momentum when they scored to put to to make it 14-13-2. Uh, just couldn't finish the job, man. Elko's doing a hell of a job, but you mentioned it. Riley Leonard goes down on the last play of the game, and he was in some serious pain. The way he got rolled up, it reminds me of an O lineman. Reminds me of high ankle MCL. That's yeah. what. That's my prognosis. Ted, it I've looked, seen it, it a ton. Looked a lot like that Davis Bevel play from early in the season. Uh, just oof, it looked bad. I thought at first well, I watched it in real, and as it was unfolded, I was like, I think the quarterback just broke his leg. It looked ugly, so yeah. hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he's all right. Um, it was cool. Did you see Hartman wait for him after yeah. the game? That was cool. He yeah. just he continues to win the hearts of America. <laughs> that handsome bastard. It oh, is that's, uh, that's clutch, though, man. That drive, the pulling it down and running for it. I, I you, just I feel for Duke, man. Oh. God, that roller coaster is just miserable well you you mentioned this when we were talking about OU and the special team stuff like not coming back to bite us yet mm -hmm. killed duke gave up a fake punt on the first drive of the game that ended up in a touchdown for notre dame uh, they missed two field goals they had a 21 yard punt in this game i mean special teams were not their friend in this one and then the last thought I have on this game, where we need whoever Notre Dame offers it tied in, we just need to go and offer the same guys. We did. We took one of them. I mean, but Wait, Mitchell Evans, this the dude is a stud. I mean, he was he looked like the best damn player on the field. Can we get a guy like that, please? Uh, we look at. Uh, I don't care where they come from. I don't care East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. I don't care. Go find him. He's everyone else has awesome tight ends. I don't know how awesome they are as much as people just don't cover them. I, mean, I don't know, gotta, dude. He had some. He had some sick catches in this. No, game. that's true. But you know, you got a guy. Georgia has a guy that's you know maybe going to be up for the Heisman playing tight end, and he's running around free all over the field against Auburn. Like no one even in the screen with him. Tough. Just all Which, I'm asking, can we just get one? That's all I'm saying. Now the recruiting, I know the recruiting got a couple guys that are on track to come in, but yeah, I continue to watch these games. And these teams have these tight ends. Dang it! It's fun. It's a. It's a. Having a pass catching tight end is, it's it's huge for the offense. Huge. Now, yeah. obviously, if they can do everything, it's even like the more you get from them, the better. But yeah, it's it's a matchup problem for sure. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, do you have difficulty sitting for long periods of time or can't lay on your side due to pain? Well, it's a hip thing, and the only person to go see is Dr. Brandon Johnson at the Hip Clinic in Oklahoma City. 
No matter your age, the hip clinic has the experience and knowledge to help ease your hip pain and preserve your hip joint. Don't let the pain hold you back any longer. Don't just accept a hip replacement. Call the hip clinic today at 844-KEEP-HIP or visit thehipclinicokc.com. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order on the line and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. Order on the line. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Friend of the pod, Neil Brown, West Virginia Mountaineers, getting it done. The Oklahoma breakdown bump continues to roll for Neil. Let's go. Getting it done at TCU, blocking the field goal to win. Now, they blocked the field goal, but it looked like the field goal. Did you see the Pat McAfee million-dollar field goal attempt the kid had on game Dude. day? And and that guy, he had multiple of those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had – TCU's kicker, not not in a good place today, if I had to guess. There's no chance that ball's going through the uprights, but blocked it anyways. Uh, awesome getting it done for West Virginia. That They're starting to find something offensively now. Um, fun game. I'm, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from West Virginia, but here's the thing, man. They're about to, the, they're about to play Houston. They got a bye week, then they play Houston, then they play Oklahoma State, then they play UCF, BYU, then they play Oklahoma, Cincinnati, and Baylor. I think I, I think Oklahoma's better than West Virginia, but it's gonna gonna be a tough game. I think they could win the rest of those games. And nine win West Virginia. Nine win West Virginia. Like they are, they just have the one loss right now to Penn State. Like, who knows? Now they could they could lose those some of those too. But I mean, five and two know. feels very feels very attainable for that football team in the last seven, especially if Garrett Green's healthy. Like you saw it in this game, right? He was back out there for him. They didn't have to play Nico Marquial, right? And Garrett Green, he managed the game well, and he used he uses legs as a weapon. And they let the defense again. They let the defense go win him the game. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Can they? Uh, can they? What game do you think? I, I think Oklahoma on the road is going to is obviously the most difficult they have. But you know, Cincinnati they have at home. BYU they have at home. I mean, I guess going on the road to UCF, 
Um, That's a tough one. Wow, did you see UCF blow that lead? Yeah, against what? Baylor. What in the? <laughs> sure, sure, but no, you're dude. You're making a great point. Like I think at this point, I I think Neil Brown. Now there's a lot of season left, right? And anything can happen. They got to keep winning games for him to keep his job. But they're four and one. If they don't win at least eight, I'll be disappointed. Yeah. Right. In nine, nine looks very, very possible. With the way that their defense is playing, man. Remember, they played really good defense in 2020, really good defense in 2021. Their defense sucked last year. And now they're back to being good defensively again. Yeah. I think th- I think they could be ten and two, you know, with just one Big Twelve loss. It, I mean, th- they have to they have to stay dialed in, but the way they've been playing, they can win every one of those games. That UCF one's going to be the tough one, obviously. I, which I hope this, I hope they continue to win because I want that game in November in Norman to be big. That would be, that'd be awesome. I want Neil Brown to keep his job. So he'll keep coming on the podcast. <laughs> no, I like Neil. I like, no, I do I, too. he's the man, but what a start, right? Awesome. And it, go back to that Penn state game. Tight. We was talked it about it at halftime or no, what they, they were, it was, they were in it at halftime, right? It was, I, I thought that they, they showed toughness. Like they got beat by a better, more talented team. But that was one of those where I was like, okay, West Virginia made they they're gonna be a tough out this year. And damn it, they they are they're a four and one football team. I like it. Looks good. Yeah. I'm so happy for Neil. Nice. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Well, Mark Stoops said it early in the week that he was confident that his fans are going to be able to get up and pound some beers before noon. And uh, they pounded some beers before noon, and then their football team went out and pounded Florida. Wow. Who would have ever thought? I mean, and I know this is – it's not like this is new with Kentucky, but you don't have to go back very far to think that Kentucky lining up and kicking the shit out of Florida in every phase of the game physically, like that is something that could never happen. But it happened big time. You talk about building a culture of toughness at a program. If you were not able to watch this game, and and coming into this one, this was a talking point. Like, hey, Billy Napier is kind of building Florida. Like they're, they're very similar to Kentucky. Right. You ask the quarterback to kind of manage the game. You run the football. It's about physicality at the line of scrimmage. You build your team inside out. Like, hey, let's see where Florida's at as compared to Kentucky. Got a ways to go. <laughs> a ways to go, man, because it was Florida could not run the football. And Florida's defensive line got destroyed. By that Kentucky rushing attack. What Ray Davis, 26 for 280 and three touchdowns. 
I mean, they ran for 329. Devin Leary had nine completions in this game. They completed nine passes and beat the absolute hell out of Florida. It's one of those things where, like, you know how a movie, you you have, like, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, you know, you, you, you go through kind of a roller coaster, then you have the climax. This movie started the exact same way as it finished, and the middle was the same, too. It was just a, mm, 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 the whole way through. Just like Fight Club. Yeah. But Edward Norton getting punched in the face constantly for the entire movie. It's, have you ever seen Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise? Yes. It's Edge of Tomorrow, except he never figures anything out. He just keeps <laughs> showing up to the beach and getting killed over and just over. Just death after death after death. Yes. That was the Florida run defense. Just death after death after death. Oh, Mark Stoops, man. I don't, I don't think he's ever leaving that job. He seems very happy. He's he's very well compensated, right? He's got a great gig, man. And that was, that was a straight up, hey, we are tougher than you are. Yep. That, that hurts if you're Florida. Like, that's got to hurt Billy Napier's soul to watch his team get bullied like that. Yeah, you, know, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times at a at a place like uh, like a Kentucky, it's possible to to build a good team. But remember when Venables took over, he said, "I don't want to build a good team. I want to build a good program." And I feel like Mark Stoops has done that, you know, because they've had some had years where they've had a combination of really good players, really good quarterback, a uh, really good running back, like a, a first round rushman, uh, edge guy. But there's not a whole lot of fall off whenever those guys leave. He's he's built a really good program at Kentucky. So much so that the basketball coach there's threatened by it. Yes. Which I love. <laughs> I Kentucky's think. 5 and 0 and I don't know if the AP top 25's come out yet, but I can't imagine they're not going to be in there. So it is it's impressive. That was a beatdown, dude. Beat down. Straight up beatdown. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that'll give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They've also got top of the line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. They're Oklahoma-owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L supply.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier, people, and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast, merchandise, and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. 
All right, for my winner of the weekend, I'm going with Ole Miss. What a win against LSU. Ted, I have to imagine, final score, 55-49. to I got to imagine this game cost you physical pain to lay eyes on. 706 yards of offense for Ole Miss, 637 for LSU. LSU was throwing it into the end zone on the last play of the game to try and get the win. Just an absolute roller coaster of offense, my man. The SEC's trash. Everyone knows they don't play defense in the SEC. They give up 280 yards to a to a running back at Kentucky. They give up 55 yards to Ole Miss. I mean, no defense in the SEC. So it's funny you say that. Like Ole Miss's defense gave up a ton of yards and a ton of points. LSU's defense gave up a ton of yards and a ton of points, but it looked very different. Like LSU looked pretty lost defensively. Bunch of blown coverages, guys running wide open. Also, some really bad tackling from LSU, just all kinds of missed tackles. Ole Miss ran for 317. I mean, what happened to that D-line for LSU that was supposed to be so good? I mean, they got worked. Yeah, I I thought Jackson Dart was really good, right? And Dart did a really good job when LSU made those mistakes in coverage. He made him pay, man. He found the open guys. Also used his legs, right? Had a big run with a sweet hurdle in this one, but on the other hand, for Ole Miss, like, yeah, you give up a ton of points, but it was a lot of it was on just beautiful throws from Jaden Daniels. I mean, just perfect dimes, perfect throws to the pylon, and Brian Thomas going up and making awesome catches, right? Competitive plays. Right? That happens. But now you're never going to be happy giving up 49, but it, it looked different. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it, it does. I, Ole Miss at least made them earn it, and you know they did with excellent quarterback play and skill position work. But you know, kind of on the flip side, you know, whenever you're throwing to wide open guys and corners and safeties looking at each other like, I thought you had me there. We're supposed to be over the top. Yeah, that's there's definitely a difference. Yeah, and you got guys like wide receiver Trey Harris had himself a day for Ole Miss. But like he's got the ball in his hands and he's making guys like almost fall down that are trying to make tackles. It was yeah. it was weird to watch a an LSU defense look that bad. And a couple more observations from this game. Number one, Jaden Daniels. There is not a player in college football that gets blown up to the degree that Jaden Daniels gets blown up. I mean, just got dismantled like a bomb went off. The ball just goes flying all his limbs because he's long and lanky, right? It's just, I don't know. It looks hilarious when it happens, and it seems to happen at least once a game. I mean, the guy just gets demolished, Ted. Looks like a crash test dummy. Yes. And it was a huge play in the game, but I. the only other thing on that game is uh, two more things. Number one, Ole Miss powder blue jerseys are so sick. Those are so sweet. They are awesome. Like when when they're going up and down the field and they're playing well. That in those. place was packed. That looked like an awesome atmosphere. Oh, that looked like a lot of fun. But LSU, now a 3-2 football team. High expectations. People are talking, you know, 
about them winning the West there in the SEC, possibly going to a playoff. Now, they scored 49 on the road in an SEC game, but they scored 49 on the road and lost. So, I don't know, man. Not the start to the season, right? You think about the fourth quarter of that Florida State game, how they just got smacked around by the Knowles in that situation. And now, giving up 55 to Ole Miss, that's... Not a good start to the season for LSU, especially compared to expectations. Yeah, that game, it it kind of makes Alabama look a little different, doesn't it? It does. This just in. Alabama's probably pretty good, guys. Yep. I'm back to where I think Alabama's going to win the SEC. Not that I ever really necessarily departed from that, but I feel I wavered for a bit, and I feel better about it now. No faith in Kentucky, huh? The five and zero Wildcats. Come on, man. I well, I I no, have I'm... some. I, I think I think Kentucky has a chance to be there. I think, um, I mean, I, Georgia, and maybe they're just disinterested, but. They got lucky to get out of Auburn with the win. Auburn was slicing that defense up for a big chunk of that game. Yeah. SEC, it's going to be – I'm with you, man. It it feels like the most interesting race in a while. Yeah. They're in the SEC. But, yeah, I'm kind of just leaning towards Georgia until they don't win it. That's kind of where I'm at with it. But should be a fun conference race down there in the SEC. All right, my loser of the weekend – and this one took place on Friday night. Well, actually, I did think about going with the United States. Man, the Ryder Cup, that was Ooh. that was not good. No. That was a uh, a thorough whooping. Joey LaCava was the one that showed the most fight. <laughs> what was that? I've never seen anything like that. Now, I... I How I many just... times could one man wave his hat on a... <laughs> what was that? I guess, you know, I just saw clips of everything and it sounds like the crowd there was letting the U.S. team have it. As they should. It's the Ryder Cup and it's on European soil. That's right. Um, But LaCava going over there and screwing with Rory whenever he's putting. What are we doing? That was wild. I don't know. Uh, It's crazy. Yeah. Well, a, a dominant performance from the Europeans. Congrats. Now I can go to back to cheering for all those guys because I like a lot of guys that are on that European squad. But my loser of the weekend, I'm going with Utah. Went to Corvallis and got beat now on center game day, Ted. I was I was alone on the Beaver Dam by myself, and the Beavers delivered for me. Let's go. But Oregon good, State man. wins 21-17, and it's you don't say this very often. With Utah, man, Oregon State looked like the more physical football team. O line and D line pushed them around. Now, clearly, not having Cam Rising is a massive deal, and it only seemed like a matter of time that it would cost Utah a game, and it did. Both Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes weren't good, but or you you need the run game to be good for those young QBs to have success, right? And 
Oregon State stuffed them. I mean, stuffed them. And they couldn't get anything going. And now it seems like both of the backups are banged up. I mean, Barnes took a helmet straight to the chest. Mm. And I, I don't think we ever saw him again. And then Nate Johnson looked banged up as well. Like, they need Cam Rising back in a big way. I I don't know if you got to send him to Germany and let let some of the doctors over there work on that knee or what, man. I know they don't want to rush him back, and I appreciate that. I appreciate Kyle Whittingham looking out for the best interest of his best player. But all of a sudden, you look at the rest of Utah's schedule. They got USC. They got Oregon. They got Washington. They're the back-to-back Pac-12 champs. No one can take that from them, but this loss, it feels very unlikely that they can navigate all those games without taking another loss or probably two. I don't know. I don't want to say it. It kind of felt like Utah relinquished the belt Yeah, with this loss to me. That, maybe I'm overreacting, but that's how it felt to me. No, I, I'm with you. I'll say that the Oregon State's good. Yeah. They're real good. Everyone in the Pac-12 is is good to some degree or another, or at least entertaining. But Oregon State, you know, and, and I know they dropped the one to Washington State, but both of those teams, both of those teams can beat anyone in the conference on a given night. Now, I wouldn't favor them against, Washington or Oregon, but it don't take much to swing it in their favor. They're going to be close in those games. I, I'm with you. And it's kind of crazy. By Oregon State, the way they play, I, I, I mean, that's really not what Washington would want to see. I don't think you know, and I don't know if they play each other out uh, off the top of my head. But what a fun conference! And it just, I feel like this is our weekly reminder. That conference is dying. And Oregon State doesn't have a home. Like They just bullied Utah, the back-to-back champs. They don't have a home. And, it, and that crowd looked awesome. The only thing that wasn't awesome for Oregon State, that all orange, oh my God, it made me physically ill to look at. Oh. And that probably it's it's probably more to do with me and the way that I was raised. I I fully acknowledge that, but oh, gross. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way about Tennessee's black uniforms. Huh. A negative reaction to Tennessee's black, huh? Yeah. I feel like they've got a classic. I'm with you. Tennessee Let me know if you agree or disagree. Tennessee has the most palatable orange for me yeah i have the least negative physical reaction to tennessee's orange and i've been raised my entire life to hate the color orange it their orange kind of takes the edge off of the orange somehow yeah but when they wear the black i feel like they they don't have the same orange anymore it's like a a darker sharper shade of orange again it, they go back to the traffic cone. Okay. I see. I see. So your your issue with it is that the black makes the orange too harsh on your eyes. Yeah. Well, the, my issue, my main issue is if you have a 
like classic, one of the best uniforms in college football. And, and maybe it's not one of the best, like people have different opinions, but n- one of the most noticeable, like you have a brand around your uniform. You don't, you don't gimmick it. And I feel like the black with Tennessee is a gimmick. Yeah. I, I think recruits just really like black jerseys. Black usually does look really good. Yeah. But now you got me thinking about Tennessee's orange and every time I don't know. I used to be a lineman. Every time I see him play, I think of those Flintstone push pops like every single time. <laughs> it's like one of the first thoughts that pops into my head. It's so stupid. Birthday shout outs. We only got two of them. Happy first birthday to Otto Morris. And happy eighth birthday to Lennon Emery. And on that note, episode 358 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Wednesday. Big preview episode. Mm-hmm. Bro, you Texas coming your way on Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. Happy OU Texas week, ladies and gentlemen. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.